Psalm 96. Let's go ahead. We'll read the whole chapter. It says, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. So what, I, what I'm going to call this chapter tonight, Psalms 96, the title of this message is why we are here. All right. That's a big question that you often, people often ask. You know, why are we here? And I believe we can see some of the answers to that. And that is, that's a big question. That's a deep question. And I think we can, uh, we will get to some of the answers to that in this chapter. Now, as Christians, you know, I think this is something that we've, uh, we accept. I think for the most part, we understand why we are here. But the world has no idea. Okay? The world, they do. They have no idea. And it's one of these things, too. They don't want to think about it a whole lot because if you start thinking about why, then you, we are here, then you're going to have to start asking the question, then how did we get here? And if it's just an accident, you know, like evolution teaches, well, then there is no purpose. We're just here. But if you do, if you do realize that there is a why, you have to acknowledge that the how is God, that we were created. And so let's go ahead though and start going verse by verse through here. And I think we will be able to answer some of these questions. So verse one says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name, show forth His salvation from day to day. So one of the things, and we've talked a little bit about this in some of the other Psalms, but when it comes to um, you know showing forth the salvation, testifying about things of the Lord, we do, a lot of the ways we can do these things is through song. We can learn about God through song. We can learn doctrine through songs. And one of the things that we can do is singing. We talked about this, I think it was last week. You know, we can show His salvation. Through songs. We sing about his salvation. But notice how it says in verse 1 this is something we need to do. You know, he's saying for all the earth to do this. And we're supposed to do this every day. From day to day, we're supposed to show forth his salvation. And one thing we need to understand is that when it comes to soul winning, soul winning is a seven day a week thing. Alright? Now, am I saying that we got to go out and have a soul winning time seven days a week? You know, that as individuals, we got to go. Soul winning seven days a week. All right, obviously, you know you can only do so much soul winning. All right, um, you know, you're, I, I'm not telling you we got to you got to make a time to go out and knock doors every day, but at the same time, what we need to understand is when it comes to showing His salvation. Well, I believe soul winning is the most effective method. It's not the only way we show His salvation. Going knocking door, you know, knocking from door to door. I believe it's important that we live like a Christian. Okay. Once again, I preached about a week or so ago about lifestyle evangelism. 
that is a foolish way to try spreading the gospel. Okay, They're, and people are doing that because they they're intimidated by soul winning. You're not going to get the job done with lifestyle evangelism. But at the same time, I do believe we ought to have some lifestyle evangelism. I do believe we ought to have a life that reflects Christ along with those other things. And I believe we can help show His salvation with these things. And also, too, uh, when it comes to doing it from day to day, you know, the only time we talk about Christ shouldn't just be at soul winning time. You know, we ought to look for soul winning opportunities throughout the week when you're interacting with people, maybe when you're talking with a coworker or a neighbor or a family member, you know, it, whatever. Hey, we live in the age of social media. You know, one of the things you could do if you're on social media is, you know, once a day or something, post a Bible verse or something like that. You know how many people are going to see that? And, you know, they might not like it. You might not get any likes. But you know what? They're going to see it. And we ought to be doing this Every day, showing a salvation is not just done by soul winning, even though I think that's probably one of the best and most effective ways. But we, we should uh, show a salvation in our life. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 5. It is so important that we live like we're saved. Now, we believe that a person can be saved without works. All right, There's no doubt about that. And understand that we are not justified to God. We cannot be justified to God by our works, but we cannot be justified to man without works. Okay. Now, do I have to prove to all of you that I'm saved in order for me to go to heaven? No, I do not. Do I have to prove to my neighbors that I'm saved in order to go to heaven? Absolutely not. But, do I need to prove to my neighbors that I'm saved if I want to be an effective soul one? If I want to make a difference? Obviously, I do. And I cannot be justified to them without works. Okay, And if I want to be effective in showing the salvation of Christ, I ought to live a life that's like Christ. I ought to live like I'm saved. Okay, And so, look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 5. It says, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord." Um, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all these things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And that right there, verse 14, is quoting Psalms 44.23. Just kind of a side note there. But we ought to live a life like we're saved. Okay, Our works and our words, we ought to be reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. And you say, well, how can, you know, it says, you know, anybody who's, you know, a whoremonger or any of these things is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Well, what if I've done these things before? Then I am those things, right? Well, not anymore because you've been washed from those things. You have been cleansed from those things. Okay? I, you know, because I've been saved, because the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all my sins, okay? 
I am not all of these things, but at the same time, I'm still capable of physically doing those things. And the blood of Christ will still keep me clean. I will not be those things, but understand, if those works are in my life, I'm going to be a very poor testimony. I'm going to do a, I'm going to have a very difficult time reaching people with the gospel, and I need to show his salvation. So Jesus, since Jesus saved me and made me so I was not any of those things, then I should not be any of those things. There should be a change in our life when we get saved. Is it a guarantee? No. Is it no? Is it automatic? Absolutely not. But should it be there? Absolutely. And that's why, and when it comes to church, there's certain things the Bible says not be once named among you to become a saint. As believers, as members of a congregation of believers, we are not just a people that are saved. We are a people who are saved, who are trying to be like Christ, who are trying to do the right thing. And if we have people that come in here and they want to be fornicating and you know doing all these terrible sins, they shouldn't be among us. They'll hurt us. They'll cause us to be ineffective. And we've got a responsibility to spread the Gospel, to shine His light, to walk as children of light. And if we're going to show His salvation from day to day, then we can't be just Sunday Christians. And unfortunately, that's how it is. There's some people, you would never know they were a Christian except on Sunday. On Sundays, they'll dress like a Christian. They'll go to church. They'll act like a Christian. But the rest of the week, they live like the devil. We're supposed to show His salvation from day to day. And so, uh, we need to keep that in mind. So look at verse 3. It says, "...declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people." Okay, and this is Old Testament right here. And notice that even in the Old Testament, our faith was to be shared to the world. Declare His glory among the heathen. Our faith is to be shared and not concealed. Do not fall for this foolishness of, you know, you can have your faith, but you ought to keep it to yourself. That's not how, that's not how our faith works. Okay, part of our faith is that we're supposed to be spreading the gospel. That's one of the things that we do. That is one of the main things about our faith. You know, just like we shouldn't get mad at Muslims for blowing themselves up because that's what their faith teaches, we shouldn't get mad at Christians for spreading the gospel. And I'm being funny there when I say that. But that's just what a good Muslim does. They try to kill infidels. Alright? And a good Christian, they evangelize. Okay? And they offend people with it because Jesus Christ is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And so as Christians, we've got to stop trying to be these weird, cute little trendies, trying not to offend anybody, and just need to understand that if we preach the truth, if we preach the Gospel, if we share Jesus Christ, that it's going to offend some people. Because it goes contrary to their faith. But we, Jesus said not to hide our light under a bushel, but on a candlestick. We're supposed to let our light shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Don't hide your light under a bushel. But that is exactly what the world's wanting us to do today. You've got these people that are out there. They act like they're fine with all religions. You know, we're fine with all faiths as long as you keep it to yourself. Well, then you're not okay with my faith. Because my faith, I was taught by my Savior to spread my faith. To spread the message. Because Jesus Christ 
didn't just come to die for white Americans. He came to die for the sins of the whole world. The entire world. And so we're, we've got to spread that. And don't think you, you're going to help by blending in with the world. And that's, where, and that's another thing the trendies are trying to do. You know, we can't worry about, you know, let, you know, let's make our services more casual. Let's let our music reflect the culture a little bit. Let's go ahead and bring some of the world's culture into our church. Okay, that clown, some of you might know who he is, Greg Locke. You know, he's, he's another one of these queer little trendies. And he went, he, he was pre, they were singing a song in his church. There's some country song, Friends in Low Places or something. And they said they just changed the words to like friends at whatever his church is called. And they're singing that in the church. And you know what? The congregation loved it. You know why? Because this congregation is full of carnal people. And you know what? If we did that too, some of y'all would like it because you're carnal. Alright? But you know what? Our flesh likes carnal stuff. But are we supposed to be bringing that into the church? Absolutely not. Okay? There's some carnal stuff that I enjoy. I don't like country music. I do not like... There are things that aren't right that my flesh might desire, but country music is not one of them. I hate it. And I don't even have to pray, Lord, help me with that. I just... I don't have to do that. I just despise it. Same thing with rock music, too. I'm not, I thank God. I grew up being taught to listen to godly music. I'm not tempted by rock music at all. I'm repulsed by rock music. And so now a little bit of... Uh, like the olden day swing music and stuff, maybe that a little bit. All right, you know, I was watching too much Bing Crosby and stuff growing up, but you know that rubbed off on me a little bit. But uh, but anyway, I confess some of my sins right there. But yeah, we're not helping by blending in with the world. We're not helping show forth His salvation when we look like the rest of the world. And I don't want to preach a message on dress, but you know what? Listen, I, I do believe the way we dress ought to reflect. Show something about our faith, okay? And that doesn't mean ladies wearing skirts, all right? And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. And I wish my wife would start doing this. If people ask why you wear skirts, ladies, don't say it's because you're a Christian. Say it's because you're a woman, and you don't believe in cross-dressing, all right? That's what you need to tell people, okay? It's a matter of cross-dressing. Nobody should cross-dress, all right? Just end of story. Okay, that that has nothing to do with that. Okay, so maybe you can say why do you if they ask why do you dress so modest? Say hey, because I'm a Christian. I don't want to I don't want to cause people to sin. I don't want to be a temp, you know temptation and things like that. If you want to if you want to say that's why you dress modest, that's fine. But if that's why you dress like a female, people ought to dress like females because they're females. Men ought to dress like men because they're men. Not because they're to me that is not a Christianity thing, and my girls, they I, I dress them like girls because they're girls, not be, not because not because we're Christians. And if that offends you, well, I don't care. I, I we live in a day where people are offended by you know men look, or women looking like women, and you know the you know, typical family of mom and dad and kids, you should see the looks we get when we go out in public from lesbians. You want to know what the look is? It looks just like the look I give them when I see them. They hate seeing, I mean, just the the hateful looks that we get when they see 
mom and dad and kids. And boys that look like girls, or boys, and girls that look like girls. And let me tell you something, when we have a baby, we're going to have a baby. We're not going to have one of these stinking babies. Have you heard about that? Those people ought to have their kids taken away. These babies, they're calling them. They're not teaching them. They're not going to you know, just assume they're a boy because they have male anatomy and stuff like that. They're going to let them pick their gender. That is just so wicked. They're going to turn these poor little kids into perverts. That is the most sick, disgusting thing. And listen, this stuff's going to become more and more normal. Alright? I will never refer to a baby as a baby to that parent. And if they won't tell me what it is, I, I'm just going to pick one. And hope I get the right one and just hope that they get offended either way. Because that that's just wicked stuff. But you see, and here's the problem too. we got Christians that are already, when it comes to things like how they dress and everything, they're already trying to blend in with the world. Well, you know what? How far are we going to let them take us? Are we going to let them get us into this gender-neutral... Well, we're already in the gender-neutral stupidity in the way we dress. But are we going to let it go as far as letting... You know, our kids pick their gender, and it's it's just we we've, we've got to draw a line somewhere. And you know what? I think you're doing great if you. I think you just need to do two things when it comes to how you dress: modest and gender specific. All right, just just do those two things, and you'll be doing great. And uh, and I won't be on your case, but understand we need to do these things. All right, we're supposed to be showing his salvation. How are you going to show his salvation, guys? If you're dressed like a fruitcake, okay? You're not. You're not going to do. You're not going to do that. You've got to. Uh, we've got to. We've got to stick to these things. Our lives should bring conviction to a world in transgression. Turn over to John chapter three and verse nineteen. See, this is why Pastor Trendy in his pink shirt. Why he's encouraging his church to dress down because they don't want to make. Lost people at the come to their church uncomfortable. When we go out in public, we don't want to make people uncomfortable. You know that that's kind of their thinking. But look what it says in John chapter three verse nineteen. It says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the life that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Why do people not like Christ? Because Christ shines a light on their evil deeds. And it makes them uncomfortable. They're more comfortable. They love the darkness more than they love the light. And the holiness of Christ, all that goodness that Christ has in Him, it causes conviction to come to the world. And they don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable. And so what do they do? They try to hide from it. They try to run from it. Well, what are we supposed to be doing as Christians? We're supposed to be shining a light in the world. How do we shine the light if we're living like the world, talking like the world, acting like the world, looking like the world? We're not going to do that. And you see, the reason those lesbian couples are so disgusted when they see us is because of the fact that we are a clear reminder of what a family is actually supposed to be like. Husband and wife. A man that looks like a man. A woman that looks like a woman. Kids 
who all look like their specific genders that they were born with. And, and this is what's really offensive to these people. A lot of kids. That's very offensive to these people. You know what? That's even offensive to a lot of your heterosexual people. They're all hopped up on birth control and everything. They see that, and everybody knows it is just in us. It has been in man since the beginning of time that we be fruitful and multiply. And you cannot have 6,000 years of history of man seeing many children as a blessing. It's just in it. It's in us. It is in our DNA. Okay. Now, yes, we've had you know several decades of programming and junk shoved down our throats, making it like it's a bad thing to have a lot of kids. But there's still something deep inside of us where we understand it's how it should be. That we understand it's a good thing. That that person that has a lot of kids is blessed. And whenever families like ours, the Janices, are out in public, we are a big reminder to people that, hey, we're doing something wrong. And that freaks them out. And it makes them uncomfortable. And they got to decide, who am I going to please? Am I going to do what actually makes me happy? What would actually make me happy? Or am I going to just go along and try to please society and all my friends? Because I've fallen for their foolishness. I've gotten all caught up with just going along with the Smith, you know, keeping up with the Smiths and Joneses and all that stuff. Not realizing that they've been lied to. And we are, families like ours, we are a reminder to the world that you're doing it wrong. And they don't want to see that. And we do, and we've got a lot of pastors out there today that are encouraging their people to be more like the world. Well, if we're more like the world, how are we going to shine as a light? How are we going to show forth this salvation from day to day? Our Christianity is a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week thing. It is not something that we just do on Sunday. We don't just put on Christianity on Sunday all week. That is what we are supposed to do. We're going to, and we're supposed to share His glory to the heathen. Alright? I want my life to be an example that the world's doing it wrong. And I've, I've been there before. And we've seen it many times where our family, we're out in public, we're eating at a restaurant or something, and it's constantly noted how well behaved our kids are. I mean, we have had that mentioned to us many, many times. And it's amazing. How many people, it's like, you know, two kids are easy to control than six, right? Right? Well, it is so common. We've seen it many times. We were at Wendy's one time, and there was a lady in there with your typical American two kids, and she had no control. They were completely out of control. And I don't remember if it was Allie, it was pretty little, it might have been Lana. They were they were real little. And they were just like, it's like, Daddy, they're being bad. You know, just you know, and, and young enough and innocent enough where they can get away with that. And it was so funny because the lady was just like, she's right. And she was like telling the kids, she even sees that you're being bad. You know, like, look at all of them. They're all being good. You two can't be good. You know, and when, we, and when you see a family that's like that, that's got everything together, that's under control, and it's good when they actually look like a Christian. Because you know what's going to tell people? Hey, maybe those religious people have something. Why is it that our two kids are just full of medication and stupid as a result of it? These kids, you can tell they're not drugged up, and yet they're well-behaved, and they're happier than our kids too. 
What do these people do that's different? And they might get freaked out when they first hear you tan their eyes with, you know, you tan their backsides with a paddle. They might get freaked out at first, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, my kids cutting themselves and doing all this other stuff that these medicated kids do, and these ones are as happy as can be. Maybe spanking is an abuse. Maybe the Bible's actually right. But we live in a world today where even Christians, they want to conceal everything about themselves. They want to hide that stuff. They want to blend in. The world needs us. The world needs us not just for spreading the Gospel. The world needs us setting an example. Showing how things are supposed to be done. The world needs that. And we are letting this world down. We are letting our community down when we try to make them comfortable and we quit. We need to make them uncomfortable. Somebody needs to come along and needs to shake them up. Needs to slap them across the face, figuratively speaking. And say, hey, you're doing things wrong. You're abusing your kids. You're destroying your family. The answers are in the Bible. And so I'm going I'm going to, I'm going to put our Christianity on display. I'm going to, I want to set the example. Somebody's got to show everyone how it's done. And I believe that's God's people. Look at verse 4 of Psalms 96. It says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Guess what? Our God's better than the other gods. Our God's better than the Catholic God. Than the Jewish God. And those are different gods, by the way. Alright? Our God is better than the Muslim God and the Hindu gods. He's better than all of them. Our God is the only God that can save. He's it. And He is to be feared above all gods. Okay, these people are superstitious if they get saved. You know, Kali or whatever the God they're worship is going to curse them. Hey, they need to fear our God above their gods. They need to fear our God. He's the only one that can bring salvation. He's the only true God. And if we're to declare His glory among the heathen, and in that passage, he says, so he says, declare His glory among the heathen. In that passage, he says He's greater than all the other gods. So guess what? That means we can't keep that part out of the message. That means we can't have this ecumenical idea. We can't have one of these churches that where all religions, it's all inclusive. No. A part of declaring His glory among the heathen is showing the truth like it mentions in here, that He is a God above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. They're nothing. They're nothing to be feared. Our God is one to be feared. Okay, I'm not scared. If, you know, if I see a statue of Buddha or whatever, I'm not scared. Now, some of them are freaky. All right? you know, creepy, but I'm not scared of them. They can't do anything. They have eyes and they see not. You know, ears, they hear not. And those who make them are like unto them, the Bible says. So, you know, we need to let people know they're on their way to hell. Uh, that's just going to make them uncomfortable again. Well, not as com- uncomfortable as it's going to be in hell. We've got to let people know. So look at verse 6. It says, Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. <clears throat> Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory. Do unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Okay, Everyone should glorify God. This is why we are here. Okay, This is why we are here. I'll show more verses on this in a little bit. We are here to give glory to God. 
You want to know why you're here? You're here to give glory to God. Why did God make me as an individual? Okay? God made me, Tommy McMurtry, to bring glory to Him. My purpose for being here is to bring glory to God. And guess what? That's the purpose for every person that's ever existed. Whether they acknowledge it or not, and listen to this, alright? And I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove this to you from the Bible. Everyone who is on this earth today, their purpose in life is to give glory to God, and you know what? They will give glory to God. And so there might be people thinking, nope, not me. I'm not going to live my life before I got I'm going to do what I want to do. No, you're going to give glory to God. Look what it says in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1. Whether you like it or not, you're going to give glory to God. Not just, you know, in the end when the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. On this earth, your life will be a life that gives glory to God. Look what it says in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Notice how Nadab and Abihu, they disobeyed God. And after they they disobeyed God, they're killed by God. And God says, I said, I will be sanctified. I will be glorified among these people. And He goes and He tells them, don't mourn for these guys. I don't do any of those things. These guys, they messed up big time. Verse 10, he says, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. The purpose of a Levite, they were to show, they were to set the example. They were to put a difference between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. That was their job. Okay? And when they failed to do that, when they disobeyed God, you know what? They still got glorified. Here's how. Because they got killed. And you know what it made everybody do? It made everybody say, I better obey God. It made Eliezer and Ithamar, when they came along, say, you know what? The words of God are right. When we offer this offering, we're going to do it the way the Lord said to do it because we remember what happened to our brothers, Nadab and Abihu. They got killed by these things. And you realize... And I, I hate to be judgmental here, but I just allow me to just be a little judgmental right now. But you know what? When you go and you live a life of drugs and alcohol, you're going to glorify God with that. So how does that glorify God? When you look like a freak show, when you get meth mouth, when you're all tattooed up, when you're all scarred up, when you get in that drunk driving accident, you mangle your body up, when you get thrown into prison, when your life falls apart, when your marriage falls apart because of all those things, you're glorifying God in that because the rest of us are going to look at that and say, you know what? I'm going to obey God and I'm not going to do those things. So here's the question. How do you want to glorify God? Do you want to prove God right by being obedient and getting the blessings or by getting, being disobedient and suffering the consequences? One way or the other, God's going to be glorified. And so all these people that are out there today... So you, it might look like, okay, it might occasionally look like they're getting away with it. It might look like when we have to go and we gotta watch the Ellen DeGenerates and the, you know, Rosie O'Donnells and the people like that that are just loved by the world, 
that are just filthy rich, it might look to us like, man, you know, it's better to be wicked. But we know the end of the story. They're going to be cast into a lake of fire. And God will be glorified in that because it will be proof once again that God was right. When we see these people just become more and more vile, God is glorified again because it proves Romans 1 is true. It proves they've been given over to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. Either way you look at it, everyone that is on this earth is going to bring glory to God and you just need to decide, do I want to be a good example or a bad example? Because either way, God's going to be glorified. So, uh, I'm sorry, all these people out there, there's a million people out there that would be offended and that would try, disagree with me. And you know, there, there'd be, there's a bunch of you know, liberal, weirdo millennials out there you know, that would say, I'm not here to glorify God. I'm here to do what I want to do. And they're going to say that while they're all pierced up. They look like a freak. You can't tell if they're a male or a female. And they're going to look like that. That right there is a testimony to me that you know what? I better follow the ways of the Lord. They're already glorifying God and they don't even know it. Their stupidity, their ignorance that they put on display every day, it is a warning to normal people that God is right once again. And they're, you know, they can be blissfully ignorant all they want. They can say they're doing their own thing all they want, but it's very clear that God was right. Because none of us want to be that. And so you've got to decide what end do I want to, you know, what kind of, what way do I want to glorify God? I want to, I want to be proving Him right in the sense that I want to be obedient to Him. And I want to, I want to, I want to be the good example and not the bad example. So when we, because when we glorify God through obedience, we get to enjoy the benefits of it. If it's disobedience, we get to be miserable like the rest of the world that are proving God right all the time. So, look at verse 9. It says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen, there it is again, talking about the stuff among the heathen. Okay, we don't just keep this stuff to ourselves. We don't just talk about this stuff in the church. We say these things among the heathen. And this is why I'm encouraged when I get thumbs down, all right, you know, uh, on messages on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, good, the heathen's hearing it. I'm being obedient. You know, I'm getting the message out among the heathen. I would rather them like it. I would rather them hear it and get right. But either way, God's going to be glorified. But when I see that, I know, good, the, heathen, the heathen's getting this. The heathen's hearing this stuff. And that's good, even if it just bothers them. But say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. So, we, should, you know, we need, another thing we need to do is we need to warn the world of coming judgment. One of, the re, we need, one of the reasons we need to study this Old Testament law is because this is the law that I believe God is going to use during the Millennial Kingdom. And we, we need to be showing people, hey, this is what God thinks about sin. We need to let the world know that, hey, the one who is coming to rule and reign on this earth one of these days, who's, and who's going to do this for a thousand years, this is what He expects. This is what He wants. This is what pleases Him. And He's going to judge those who are not doing these things it is our job to warn people. If no one knows God's law, if no one 
or, or understands God's law, and, if, then we're, and we're not following God's laws, then God's judgment doesn't make any sense. And let me say that again. Said if we're not if we're not talking about God's law, if we're not talking about punishment for God's law, then why in the world would people be concerned about judgment coming? Okay, okay. It's like you know when I was a kid and I had not done anything wrong, I did not fear Dad coming home. But when I knew I had transgressed many laws and my mom would pronounce judgment on me like, you're getting, you're da- you're getting spanked as soon as your dad gets home. Then all of a sudden I was scared. And I always knew why too. And my, One thing my mom would not do is my mom never told me, Tommy, when you get home or when your dad gets home, he's going to spank you. And then when I would ask why, she would say, I'm not going to tell you. You transgressed the law, but I'm not going to let you know which one it is because I don't want you to be offended by that. You know, you know, she always would let me know exactly what I did that brought this judgment that was coming. Okay? And we live in a world today, you know, where Pastor Trendy, it's like he knows, yeah, it's clear God's going to come and judge the world. But I can't tell people why. But if we if people don't understand that, hey, that life you're living, there's judgment that's coming for that. God hates fornication. God hates adultery. God hates covetousness. God hates murderers and thieves and all these things. If people don't understand what God hates, then why would they be concerned about judgment? So it's like whenever we say God's coming to judge the world, what most people think, well, is God's coming to judge all the bad people. But that's, you know, all the people that have been mean to me. They don't see themselves as included in there. Yeah, God's coming to judge the Saddam Husseins and the Osama bin Ladens. No, God's coming to judge the adulterers and the fornicators and the effeminate, the abusers of themselves and mankind, and all these people, the idolaters, unbelieving, they're all liars. God's coming to judge all of them. So people, if, if people understand, they understand what God's laws are, then it will be very clear why they need to fear. But the reason people don't fear God's judgment is because they don't see themselves as transgressors because nobody's taught them God's laws. Even a lot of Baptists, they want to ignore a lot of those Old Testament laws because, well, that was another dispensation. Hey, God still hates those things. Those things are still a problem. God's still going to judge the world for those things. Okay? We're saved today. You know, we're, you know, we're saved by grace. That works, but understand that that salvation that we got, that blood that Jesus shed, it cleansed us from all those sins from the Old Testament law. Okay, so if we have not received that free gift of salvation, guess what is condemning everybody? The Old Testament law. Well, if we're not teaching the Old Testament law, why would anybody fear judgment? I haven't done anything. Well, you haven't been reading your Bible. A lot of people in churches, I haven't done anything. Well, your pastor hasn't been preaching the Word of God today. He hasn't been preaching the Old Testament. People who aren't saved especially need to know the Old Testament. They need to know it more than we do. Because they're guilty of these things and they're going to be judged because of these things. And part of our job is warning of coming judgment. And that's been going on since Enoch's day. Jude talks about that. How Enoch warned that God was coming with 10,000 of the saints to execute vengeance on all that are ungodly. What does it mean to be ungodly? 
Well, it means to go against God's law. What are those laws? People have got to know this stuff. And it is our job to share it. Yes, we're going to heaven either way. But one of the ways that we can help teach the world God's Old Testament law, and I'm not talking about the ceremonial stuff, but I'm talking about the moral things, is us living these things is an example to them. Do you realize most of the verses about spanking your kids are in the Old Testament? Okay? The world doesn't know you're supposed to do that. The world doesn't know that works. They think it's better medicating your kids up. We've got, we've got to be living this stuff. We've got to be teaching these things. People think Jesus is coming to rule and reign just so He can make everything great in the world, not understanding why things aren't great. People don't understand. They're like, yeah, God's coming just to fix everything because the world stinks. Yes, but you need to understand why the world stinks. The world doesn't stink just because it just stinks. Because No, the world stinks because of sin. And if you're sinning, you're contributing to the smell of the world. And you need to understand why. And so this, the lack of teaching from the Old Testament law is one of the things that's just destroying our world today, destroying our country, and destroying churches. We've got to be teaching these things. So look at verse 11. So let's let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Alright? So, how do the heavens rejoice? Okay? Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. It's talking about kind of inanimate objects giving praise, rejoicing. You know, let the field be joyful. How does a field be joyful? Obviously, I believe that some of this is figurative in a way, but here's the thing. You know how you know how the stars rejoice? You know how they glorify God? Do you know how a field rejoices? Here's how. Turn over to Psalms chapter 19. Turn to Psalms chapter 19. In verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handy work. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. And it just it goes on. I'm not going to. We don't take time to read through the whole thing. But the heavens are declaring the glory of God. They're they're saying something. They're doing something. How are they? What are they doing? You know what they're doing? They're doing what they were ordained to do. The stars are shining like God ordained them. The stars are out there doing what God ordained them to do to be for signs and for seasons and for days and months and years. That is why God created the stars. God created the stars for a very specific purpose. Okay? And that's for signs and seasons and days and months and years. And they're doing that every day. This earth that God created is doing what it was ordained to do. The fields that are out there, they're doing what they were ordained to do. You know what they do? They grow. Those fields, they grow. They produce fruit. The winds blow. All these things in nature, they're doing exactly what God created them to do. That's what they're doing. That is their job. And so, the way they rejoice... The way it's them doing what they were ordained to do, and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do 
what we were ordained to do, and that's give glory to God. So look what it says in verse 13. It says, Before the, uh, so let the fields be joyful and all that there is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For He cometh. For He cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with His truth. So the Lord, He was going to judge in righteousness. The things that God is going to do, the way God is going to judge the world is going to be right. Once again, it's going to be according to to the Old Testament law. And back in Psalms 19, verse 7, what does it say about the law of God? It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them, talking about the law of God, moreover by them is thy servant warned. The law of God is warning us because God's going to judge the world because of sin. Sin is a transgression of the law. Moreover by them, the law of God is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, the law of God, there is great reward. When God comes back, when Jesus comes to judge the world, He's bringing His rewards with Him. And if we're obeying the law of God, we can be a recipient of those rewards. We can enjoy those things. And so to sum it all up, to sum this chapter all up, it's clear what we need to do is the very thing that we were created to do. And Revelation 4.11 says it best. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That is why you are here. You are here for His pleasure. Okay? So I refuse to please God. I ref- you know, I'm, I'm going to sin. Well, then you know what? A holy God... He deals with sin. A holy God, He judges sin. A holy God, He knows how to deal with these things. And so He's not going to get pleasure in throwing people into hell. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. And I've said this before, but I think it's a good illustration. Whenever we see somebody go bad, whether it be a child, a friend, whoever, or anybody that just doesn't get saved, we always have regret, don't we? It's always a sorrowful thing for us because we're always asking ourselves, I probably could have done more. You know, I wish I'd have done this different. I messed up here. But with God, God is holy. And a holy God punishes sin. And when it comes, whenever people stand before God at the great white throne of judgment to be cast into hell, God's not going to have one regret. God did everything that could possibly be done. He sent His own Son to pay for their sins. Jesus Christ paid the debt of sin in full and He offered salvation freely to everyone. Made it as easy as possible for somebody to get saved. Do you think God's going to be up in heaven like, oh, what did I do wrong? And in regret when people are being cast into hell? No, He's not. He did everything. 
that could possibly be done. And so when people go to hell, I don't believe they're going to be... I don't think Jesus is going to be up there crying. I believe, you know, I believe, you know, his hands are clean. He did everything to be done. He paid for their sins. He offered them the gift of salvation freely. They refused it. They rejected it. And when they're cast into hell, he will be glorified in that. That will be that will be according to the pleasure of his will. And so, right there. We see why we are here. We are here to bring pleasure to God. And you say, that's cool that He would get pleasure in me going to hell. Well, you don't have to go to hell. He'd also get pleasure if you would accept that free gift of salvation. So how about you just do that? How about, are you just going to love your deeds too much? Why don't you just go ahead and get saved like you said to Except that get the salvation, and you'll be you'll glorify him. Either way, God's going to be glorified. No getting out of it. And you know what? Now nah, we shouldn't rub it in the world's face. But you know, go and rub it in their face. They're going to glorify God one way or the other. They are here for His pleasure, and God will get pleasure one way or the other with them. And I don't know about you, since I know that I'm going to please God, no matter what I do, I know that I'm going to please God. I'm going to make sure I'm pleasing God in a way that's beneficial to me. And that means being obedient, following His law. That way I can enjoy the benefits of pleasing God. He will be glorified. Nadab and Abihu, God was glorified in the death of Nadab and Abihu. But it didn't work out too good for them, did it? And that could be us. So, anybody ever ask you, why are we here? Why are you here? bring pleasure to God. That's why we're created. And so, He made us. So since He made us, you know, He can do what He wants to with us. And he actually, and what He wants to do, He wants to save us. He wants to bless us. But we've got we've to submit to His will, so make sure you do that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You for sending Your Son to pay for our sins. And dear God, I pray You'll help us to just uh, accept this Reality that either way, we are going to glorify You in our lives and I pray that it, we will do it in a way that is good, in a way that will be beneficial to us. And I pray You'll help us to uh, submit to Your will and submit to Your laws. And Lord, we already know You'll bless us if we do. And I just pray You'll bless everyone that goes separate ways this week. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand and turn to page. Uh, let's see. 240. Sing, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah.